Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Scoops. Corey Perry. Lilia able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. And we're back. We're live. And I think I did it, dude. I think we're good. I think we've got a win and on both sides of the equation here. I got the podcast up and running on my own. And the yep. Ducks take a, a 5-2 win over the Buffalo Sabres tonight, man. Good to have you on. Yeah, good, good to be here. Yeah, It's been a crazy October. It's just the start of the whole season. But I should hopefully be on a little bit more consistently or at least be available to be on. So, Good to be on. Yeah, man. I thought I was going to have to run this show, uh, this solo tonight. So I'm like, oh, dude, this is going to be an interesting show for me. I got like open yeah. windows here with nobody on them. And I got to talk to people in the chat. It was going to be fun, but I was like, oh, boy. Hey, you'd be a crazy person just talking to yourself about a game you watch. Oh, man. It sounds like me when my family's in the living room watching the game and everyone thinks I'm crazy anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I... So, first off, shout out to PK, number nine. Uh-huh. It's his birthday today. Yeah. So I uh, had to rock uh, the old school eggplant jersey for Paul Correa. And you know, yeah. as you know, and everyone else who listens to us long enough knows that uh, he's my favorite player. So I got to, yeah, got to give him big ups on that for sure. Happy birthday, Paul. I know that uh, you haven't talked to me in a while, but hopefully someday we'll get reconnected. <laughs> I know he's listening. That's, you know, that's what counts. He hears Yeah, you. I haven't talked to him in, uh, you know, quite some time. And no, ages, yeah. um, Coach Bombay, it's not P.K. Subban, Jesus Ah, <laughs> dude! Yeah, you got to clarify for that. Guy. The news on hand tonight. What the hell did we see in the final forty minutes of the game tonight, man? How was that? That that was fun. That was uh, you know, if, if they could do that for sixty minutes, this this is a a great team. But uh, it, it kind of seems like 
that's kind of their mo at least early on here it's it's kind of slow out of the gates but uh this season compared to last season i mean last season was slow out of the gate slow in the second and slow in the last period and usually just horrifically outshot and outplayed at least at least we have some good periods it's just hopefully we have it a little bit more than 50 percent or uh you know, two-thirds of the game, too. So Yeah, and you forgot a piece of that from last season, too. It was a lot of old guys with bald heads with really, really red faces uh, behind the bench. Mm-hmm. That's uh, usually what was mm-hmm. going on at the end of last year, for sure. Yeah, but, barking at people. Were you a little bit worried today going into this game? Just kind of get your pregame moment, like your thoughts on that. Were you kind of like, ah, man, the Sabres' power play is pretty killer. They've been playing good hockey. Were you a little nervous going into it? Well, I mean, for for sure, the I mean, the penalty kill for the Ducks has been pretty good. Uh, but you know, they they went two and two on the road. Uh, the you know they they got shellacked. I guess you could say it was really only by uh, Pasta in that Boston game. He's the other one who seemed to score. But their penalty kill kind of looked like it had chinks in the armor. And then when you got a team that's clicking at almost fifty percent coming in with you know an uh, elite goal scorer and Olafs in there. There's some cause for concern. They're they're outplaying and they have a lot of confidence going in. And the Ducks, you know, started off pretty good, but you know, looked a little shaky. And you're kind of wondering how they're going to respond after a road trip. You know, if uh, they're not going to be all that great coming, you know, in their first home game for the homestand. I mean, it's a little nervous, but not over the top. Undefeated at home this season, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure you were you were thinking that in the back of your mind too. The first thing I was thinking, I was like, we got to score goals because we're, we're not scoring goals. And, uh, you know, if Gibby or Miller are, are only giving up a one or two goals, we got to at least get three, hopefully somewhere in there. And, you know, we haven't been able to do that until tonight. So, well, we got plenty to talk about here. Lots to unpack. Um, first with the lineup, why is Devin Shore still scratched? I wanted to ask if you had any thoughts on that. Like, I get that they kind of held everything else together uh, there, but like, Devin Shore was really good when he was when he's been playing early on the season, and to scratch him and not have him, you know, centering even the fourth line instead of Derek Grant was kind of curious to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think every player, um, especially when they're filling in those depth roles, that third or fourth line guy, a lot of interchangeable parts at this point, and coming off of you know a four-one loss where they did not look good defensively. Uh, you know, they had they had a good second period, but I mean, just a lot of lapses and they're, they're trying to find goals. And right now it's just, hey, this isn't quite working. These are the pieces we're going to move because we're not taking top guys off. They're going to get their time. They're going to get their play. So let's try and move things around, see what we can kind of plug in. So you could you could scratch shore. You can put him in. You could put Grant out. You could put Comtois out. I mean, there's there's a lot of different options at that point. Right now, I think they were desperate to try and find some sort of combination for goals because they're hard to come by for the Ducks. So well, if, I don't I don't see a problem. Well, if it. anyone's going to sit it, it, next game and shore comes in, it might be Nick Ritchie after his crazy game tonight for uh, his ridiculous penalties he decided or penalty he decided yeah. to take, which we'll get to. <laughs> We'll definitely get to. Yeah, are they are they that crazy? Or are they kind of on par? <laughs> I mean, I didn't even understand it, but we can unpack yeah, that when we get to it. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Brendan Gooley's still day, is it day to day? Is it we? I don't know what it is. I didn't I didn't see what yeah. the the official word was on him. If someone in chat wants to bring that up, please let me know. But I was a little nervous going against this team, especially on the uh, on the power play. Um, they have four, clicking at forty two percent. Olison's killing it. Of course, he gets another one tonight. I mean, why wouldn't he? Because he's been scoring all his goals in the power play. Uh, and then literally oh, all of his career goals have been power play goals. And then Linho Manson hasn't been 
really, honestly, I hate to say, having a good this season so far, seven games in. And then you have Delzato and Holzer in the lineup. I was like, ugh, Jesus. At least they weren't on the same line. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been the Randy Carlisle move to get the two guys who are the least skilled on this team on the same line together. But um, Gibby's a net. He had to make some outstanding saves tonight. And he honestly held the boys in it when he needed to. But uh, that first period, man. I was very worried about this team out the gate, and I, I guess we've kind of been saying that since the start of the season. You, you kind of got to it a little bit earlier. It's the first period, just kind of like, oh, we're playing. Oh, we are, we're really playing. This team's going to play fast. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll yeah. eventually get there, I think. Let's just hold on tight. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a dangerous way uh, to play because you can get buried early. Uh, about the only good thing, I guess, is that you know, they've done it so much and they know that even if they kind of give up those chances, generally gets Gibby or Miller in the game. And they you know, are there as a great one-two goalie combination that can kind of hold that fort until they can kind of figure out what it's going to take for them to kind of match it. And it usually ends up coming after the first period, but... You know, there's the shot totals at the end. I think it was uh, like 18 to 11 or something like that for Buffalo. I mean, at one point it was like 18-6 or 18-5. It was five. I mean, Buffalo was running with it for a while. It was that. That was. I was looking at that. Well, geez, that's that's bad. <laughs> and it, and we're so conditioned from last year to go like, well, this one's over. I'm just gonna pack it in, and uh, you know, not who cares anymore. But it's a different team. I mean, they don't really give up, so that's a good thing. But, yeah, they'd be helping themselves out a great deal. If a goalie's a great deal, if they could have that start at the same way they have the finish, it seems like. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, And and in this first period, kind of what we saw from Manson and Lindholm, and we've been talking about it every, I think, every post game, is they got cut out of position a number of times, um, especially in the first period. Manson seems to be getting burned more and more. Um, than we've seen in recent seasons. And Lindholm is not making those great outlet passes that he's been known for as well. Uh, and it's easy to pick apart a guy's game when you see him make a glaring error and not see maybe the other 70 80% of the things he did right that night. But uh, mm. coming from these two guys who we really rely upon to play those heavy minutes against the team's big hitters, it was kind of concerning. Um, I mean, Reinhardt snuck behind Manson in that first period too. I was like, how did he even get behind you, dude? Like, how did that even happen? Where, where are you looking? And you saw Manson look behind him, I think, three or four times tonight with a guy going by him. Just a little concerning um, overall, not just even in this game. Yeah, uh, yeah. Manson's game's been, been a little bit off. He seems aggressive, uh, which is something I do like out of his game because we don't have very many aggressive physical defensemen. So I like that, but at the same time, it's kind of coming at the cost of of, of plays like he's he's giving up plays he's letting people behind him uh eichel ends up getting a goal where you know he kind of turns it over at the offensive blue line and can't really ever seem to kind of catch up to it uh give credit to eichel he did a good job of putting his leg out to prevent you know manson he tried twice to get around him and uh, i think gibby might maybe wanted to play that goal a little bit differently probably move with eichel and he kind of got stuck on his knees and uh, didn't quite get over on that play but backed up to Manson and Lindholm, you know, you know, in that Boston game, Lindholm got beat to the front of the net, oh. uh, Pasta tap in. I mean, that, that's like fundamental. He was in position and Pasta just got in front of him, just sat there and just deflected in. I think that was his fourth goal or something. It's just kind of that thing where you're like, that's, 
that should be second nature. Dude, like they're just we didn't do off. a post game show. <laughs> and I hope I never had to talk about those goals. Those were brutal by my yeah. boy Lindy there. But let's let's get to the goal yeah. you're just talking about though. Manson kind of getting picked at his at the offensive blue line. Puck gets blocked on a shot where he goes to keep it in. I could be the wrong guy. One of like three guys on the ice. You don't want to turn the puck over to on Buffalo. Happens to get it. And I even tweeted it out a little bit. Um, I mean, Eichel's world-class, Crosby's world-class, but Manson kind of getting walked around and picked around like he has been is a little concerning. But like you said, too, I didn't want to give you any inch in getting mad at me about the goaltending there. But I was a little <laughs> like, why did Giddy kind of fall in on his net like that? He kind of slid back yeah. in the middle of the crease rather than being at the top and going side to side or even maybe going for a little ballsy yeah. of a poke check. You know, a la Ryan Miller against Columbus and Seth Jones. Maybe something like that might have stopped yeah. the puck. But at that point, it gave Buffalo the one nothing lead. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to pick apart what a professional Ooh, goalie, dare you, one sir. of the top goalies in the Why world are, we here? are doing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he could have read it as, you know, hey, Eichel could probably roof it on that backhand. It looks like he might turn the corner, but he might try to open me up. And so, you know. Good players can hide their shots really well, and they can be deceptive. And so he kind of got walked around. Um, you know, maybe obviously I would assume he'd want that one back and how he played it. But you know, at the same time, and this is kind of something that we'll we'll probably see a little bit more. I mean, the Ducks' defense has been given the green light to try and attack more, yep. keep pucks in the offensive zone. And there's going to be a risk, and that risk sometimes is going to be a turnover. And unfortunately for the Lindholm or the Mansons, they're not exactly the quickest of feet, and they're not quite the most gifted of offensive side of things either. So you'll probably see a little bit more from them, and especially if they've got to play against the top lines. But the good news is they kind of cleaned their game up a little bit after the first period, and Eichel didn't really get much of a sniff after having a really good first period. No, man, I, I would agree with you on that for sure. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the Ducks' power play, especially in this first period. It got better as the game went on. But before we get to that, we have a couple of goals and a one non-goal to get to before we wrap up the first. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ducks just get clobbered on again. Henry goes and takes a penalty for holding the stick, and the broadcast is like, oh boy, here we go, because yeah. this is not going to be good. <laughs> they do not want to give these yeah. guys any any sort of room on the power play, and of course they did here. Um, and this is after the Ducks had their chance and were denied. Yeah. But Olison, of course, just Reinhardt able to pick a puck out of Holzer's skates. Yeesh, mm. Holzer on the penalty kills tough. <laughs> uh, and is able to just zip that pass across. Not a chance in hell for John Gibson to even get over. He even got over, but couldn't make the save. I mean, he it, he was damn close, but all of a sudden now, yeah, it's too it, 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 yeah, yeah. That one and that one kind of felt like a broken play a little bit. And you know, it's just like when things are going right for you, like they are for Olafson on the power play, you, you just you you tend to be in the right spot. And it just goes right because he got he got fed a nice puck. He didn't hesitate. He just knew what to do. Shot it. Gibby almost got over, but just not quite enough. So it's like all the little things that the Ducks almost got are just going right for this guy throughout the season so far. So he uh, gets his eighth career goal all on the power play, and uh, this is where it kind of started to look a little little down in the dumps. I think that at that point, that was their 18th or 17th shot, and the Ducks are down 2 nothing. Don't look good. They only mustered up five shots yeah. to that point. So it was kind of like, oh, boy, this is not a good look for a team that's hot and Riding high and confident, so. And then what we thought was going to be the goal, the goal that gets him back at the game, Max Jones. I was so jealous. finally breaks was through. Max Jones. <laughs> finally breaks through, 
on a, a rebound chance. Larson throws the puck at the net. It goes off. The goaltender comes back out. I, I believe it was Larson who threw the puck on that. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Jones is able to slam home the rebound yeah. there. I was like, of course, mm-hmm. finally the kids. Like I've been thinking about it the past week, and I've heard a lot of people yeah. talk about the kids. Like, oh, they're underperforming. Who do you send down? Who do you bring up? And I'm like, you really can't bring anyone up if you send the kids down. The kids are here. I mean, you're not going to replace yeah. them any better. They're eventually going to break through. We're seven games in. Um, yeah. But Jones, I was like, oh, it felt so good for the kid. And then you go back and look at yeah, the stupid-ass replay, much. and then it's yeah. him that it causes the offside on his own goal. And as much yeah. as I hate that rule, honestly, the linesman should have had that. He was right there and didn't call it. Yeah, that, that was kind of a, an odd one that it wasn't called because the first time they did a, a replay before they even – like broke it down like well where is he on that one the second they did the replay like, oh he's he's easily easily <laughs> like, yeah i was like ah oh, damn that one's coming back and then sure enough then they go oh i think they're challenging here and it's like yeah they weren't going to get away with that one so uh once they challenged it it was pretty obvious yeah he's he tried he, tried, he did everything he could to, to stay on there and it's not like he really impacted the initial play he just happened to be now slower behind the play but can't do it. Offsides. It is what nope. it is. Uh, that that could have been a killer for the. It felt like it to me. I was so pissed. I was yes. like, oh, yeah. of course it was. Of course it was. As much as I hate that rule, yeah. that was <laughs> the Lions. should have had it. It should have never gone to review. Um, and then the Ducks get on the board, and it actually counted this time. Adam Henrique, Uncle Rico, Potts won. He's quietly oh having a decent. Oh my god! It feels like we've been doing this season already for like thirty games. We're seven games in. Decent start <laughs> yeah. to the season. I think that was his third goal of the year. Correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, because he gets yep. the fourth one later. Yep. Um, yep. Sylvie with a good, uh, good rush into the zone, cut back, made a great pass. Manson gets gets yeah. over to the loose puck, throws it on net, kind of a roller. And Henrique with yeah. the little deft little hands on the side of the net is able to <laughs> tip it. And Olmark was mm-hmm. there, but uh, yeah, man, just some puck luck there on that goal. For sure, but also it's uh, the, yeah, a lot like kind of uh, Olafson's uh, goal. It was just you know everything just kind of went right on that particular play. Manson just was able to throw it. The fact that the uh, the puck was knuckling and rolling over itself played a huge role in how that got deflected because it looked initially like maybe he had his like stick kind of over and like somehow like picked it up, but he had it flat facing and it just hit it just right because it was kind of wobbling it just went up it just hit it at a, such an angle that it just jumped up and uh, all mark was was pretty much there and it just went up and over the glove inside the post there's nothing he could do he couldn't even really see it it just got put in the right spot with very little room to to make it a goal so everything went right on that particular play so you know we could have been disheartened and gone wow that was a horrible first and we got nothing to show for it but we got a little luck on it and going into the uh, intermission really kind of helped out, I think. Yeah, to go into the first intermission only down by one goal seemed like a win overall for mm-hmm. me after the first 20 yeah. minutes. Ducks trail by one going into the second period. Let's talk about the second period. Ducks get on the board early, and it was a period that was, I mean, just one of the most fun periods I've watched. Fun. this. <laughs> I don't want to say this season, dude. I want to say in quite some time from Anaheim. Like, confident plays. They weren't these... I don't feel like it was all luck. Like I felt when these happened towards the end of last season and even in the middle of last season, the Ducks would eke out a win. It was like, wow, they should have never even had that goal there. Should have never been in that position. But, I mean, it was fast hockey all around, and it was that pace we've been talking about. And the Ducks got two goals in this period, or three, but two came uh, at the at the beginning. One came in the end, and one came in the beginning. But then the, within the first minute at the end, and then at the end of the second period. And the first one was Ricard Raquel. Ristolainen tried to dump it behind his own net, but Silverberg with that sweet little hand-eye coordination knocked the puck down, caught Raquel driving to the net, 
And, I mean, dude, just a beautiful play as he beat McCabe to the mm-hmm. front of that and buried it and made it 2-2. What an exciting start to the second period. Yeah, for sure. And uh, to get that and really kind of just reestablish it, hey, that first period was a wash. And then the way they kind of came out and, you know, going back to the, the shot totals where it was 18-6, very rapidly the Ducks kind of came back and really got that a lot closer and getting that goal, it was it was good. He got inside position on McCabe and didn't allow McCabe to, to reach in and poke it away. Allmark tries to do a little poke check, just barely misses it. And Raquel's able to kind of walk around him. And a lot like the Eichel play, just kind of outweigh the goalie and uh, get around to him. So it was good to see Raquel score. It was good to see the way it happened and how well the Ducks were flying early on. Uh, so we talked about a little bit about uh, the kids. And, and I know that a lot of that means like Steele, Terry, and Jones. But how did you feel about Maxime Comtois' game? Because I felt like he had a really was- strong game tonight. And I'm not just talking about the pass. He was noticeably physical, mm-hmm. noticeably in the plays when he was on the ice. Yeah, uh, he seemed uh, uh, very engaged in this game. I, I saw him talking a lot with Getzloff. He gets to play on the top line with Getzloff and Kasha. So when you're with those guys, you can kind of help out. But he was tenacious, you know, one of those guys, a lot like uh, Kasha, where, you know, he, he didn't really shy away. If, if the puck was somewhere to where he could get to it, he, he was involving himself into the game. So when he's doing that uh, and he's mouthing, he's making little little hits. He's playing a big game, even for a 19-year-old. You know, he's not shying away from everything. Uh, that's always fun to watch, and it's uh, especially something that's fun to see. You know, alongside a Getzloff. So we don't get too many power forwards. I think uh, Max Jones is going into that role. Comtois can do that now, um, and then you got Richie, of course. And then every now and again, Getzloff wants to kind of. Get his nose in there. He knows how to do it. So, uh, but it was it was fun to watch him play. He had a noticeably good game today. No, for sure. And I mean, we got into some physicalities at the at the uh, I don't know at the end of the game. I think in the third yeah. period for sure. But we got to yeah. talk about the Ducks power play now because we're at that point where we can talk about something positive with it. Mm. It didn't look that great in the first period when we saw it, and then in the second period, uh, Eric Stevens tweeted. I think he said something. I don't want to make a joke about going to the fridge right now because the Ducks are going on the power play. And then they literally put yeah. something together here and were able to convert. Yeah. And it came off of just beautiful passing between Sam Steele and Ryan Getzloff. And they come close off and on. The Ducks power play just wasn't able to convert. But this is like the first one yeah. where it seemed legit, where they were able to get some good passing. And we got to see a new look where for Ryan Getzloff to play lower on the ice. I mean, usually he's the quarterback up top. Now you put him down low where he's got his whole field of vision to set guys up for one-timers, um, and it was just a pretty play. He gave Steele a pass. Steele couldn't convert. Steele gave it back to him, and then all sitting against the, the clapper on net, and it's uh, it's a 3-2 yeah. game, man. It was really pretty. Yeah, it was kind of you know one of those things that we've been seeing where it's like, you know, they show signs that they got it down, and then it's like they, they almost score. And usually, you know, it's a goalie pulling a save out, out of his ass, and it was kind of that play where Getzloff threw it down over to um, uh, Steele and Steele blasted it and it was a hell of a save by Allmark getting his leg over there and I'm like of course like the best play that we have that play doesn't go in but they didn't give up on it and even Getzloff and uh, Steele switch sides and then Getzloff you know holds 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 makes a great strike pass and I'm like yes shoot and he doesn't 
he kind of holds it and then passes back. And I'm like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> but somehow they're able to pass it literally through the exact same lane. And then Getzlaff doesn't waste any time. He does a one-timer, which he's been practicing. And Allmark almost got that, too. It actually hits his blocker, but goes blocker and inside the net. So the fact that there was, you know, if you think about it, the one-timers are so critical now with how good goalies have to be able to move side to side. If he holds on to it for a little bit or he does his patent, I got it, and I'm going to try and wrist it somewhere, Yep. you know, that doesn't go in. It's the fact that he just released it the second he got it. And even that was almost didn't go in. So it was good to see them finally kind of get that, that payoff, especially with that nice passing play back and forth. Yeah, Omar's a big boy. He's like Gibby size. He's six foot four. He's a big dude. Um, and that, like you said, it all had to do with the release of Ryan Getzloff there. And, and you'd mentioned they've been practicing and, and, uh, the broadcast talked a bit about it saying Eakins had to go pull Getzloff off the ice and practice from doing too many one-timers. Do you believe No, that? I don't believe a word of that. And then they started that. talking about like, oh, Raquel said Raquel's his wrists arm. were tired from feeding him one-timers in practice. It's like, get out of here with this, man. Like, okay. Oh, sure. Right, yeah. Sure. I had to go drag him like, off the ice. Uh, had to go get Come him. on, Getzy. <laughs> You're hurting rats. What are you doing here, dude? We got a game. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, were you kind of caught off guard here? There's a play a little bit later. I mean, Ducks' penalty kill actually came through a lot in this game after they gave up that power play goal. That was a big reason why they were able to stand tall along with with John Gibson. (sighs) But were you not surprised when Raquel collided with Darlene along by the penalty Mm. boxes? that I thought Raquel was going to the box and ended up calling Darlene for uh, covering the puck with his hand. I thought that was very funny. No, yeah, it was a it was a <laughs> weird penalty because like because I saw it and like everyone seemed confused. Like at first it seemed like Raquel was going to get a penalty, and then they kind of did a, a replay of it. I'm like, Raquel just kind of fell and kind of fell like the replay, yeah, slowly into him, slowly into him, and and Darlene kind of fell stupidly, and it just it felt like they both just kind of didn't know how to skate for a second. Like they just kind of ran into each other, and that was about it. Uh, and I didn't even see the hand on the puck until they finally called him. Because, like, I was thinking, oh, it's a penalty on Darlene. I'm, like, looking like, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't hold up Raquel. No. He didn't bring Raquel down. Raquel fell and fell on him, kind of. And then once they go, oh, yeah, he put his hand on the puck. But, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. All right, Weirdest thing, because I thought they were going <laughs> to totally give him a roughing minor or something like that. Because, uh, you know, this game. It, yeah, no, but I was, I was like, that, no one deserves a penalty on it that. Was just, I was yelling. Like, what is that? It was, like, unfortunate <laughs> the way that Deline went into the boards. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah. that sucked. I hope he's okay, because you don't want anyone getting hurt mm-hmm. like that. But, yeah, I was like, well, I'd be pretty upset if Raquel got a penalty there for sure. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be upset both ways. I mean, even as a Ducks fan, I'd be like, Darlene didn't deserve a penalty no. on, on the initial play, the contact at least. It didn't seem like he deserved it. So, well, let's get to the what the hell moment of the period. Uh, you know, this will go to uh, Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie uh, kind of gets hit in the corner a little bit by uh, Vladimir Saboka. I thought it was a clean hit. I was very surprised Saboka didn't go down and drop because Ritchie's a big <laughs> boy, and it didn't look like anything. Bad. Um, I think the broadcast is something like he got elbowed, or someone's on Twitter said he got elbowed. Play gets mm. stopped, and Saboka's TV timeout. Yeah, yeah, coming to the middle of the ice in this like in the slot in his own zone. Olmark's leading the net to go to the bench. Richie comes talking over to him like this, and then just headlocks him, throws him to the ice, and I'm like, uh, "What did I miss? Why? What did I miss?" Yeah, and then Olmark just goes <laughs> yeah. to town, just going to town. Yeah. 
Uh, weird play by Nick Ritchie. Totally unnecessary <laughs> play by Nick Ritchie. I, I don't understand what the hell he's doing there, honestly. I, I don't want to rip on the guy because it's not like he's sat in the box constantly. Yeah. But, I mean, why? Why these plays, man? Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't feel like it was a run. It was, you know, he kind of made a hit on him. That's going to happen. That's hockey. You know, I didn't see any elbow, but they didn't really – show the aftermath so i don't know if they were talking crap on each other i have no idea but yeah the the way he handled it where he just came out of it it's not like they were squared up like he no. was going to the bench for tv timeout and just grabs him by the neck and you know head and tries to throw him down it's like it was a, a d-bag move i just <laughs> i didn't like it at all from my perspective and if he was on the other team doing it to my play i'd be like this guy's a goon he's just a, a goof it was it was weird i have no idea why and you know we're shorthanded again so someone in chat explain to me or you please why did Troy Terry serve two minutes of that penalty of the four minutes? He got uh, he got a four minute. So he got two minutes for taking him down, and then Allmark got two minutes for throwing those punches. And then Rick Ritchie at the end of it, he gets up from it and he starts throwing a few extra uppercuts uh, and like after the whole play. Like, why is so Terry double. serving the penalty? I was confused by that. So so because there's a double minor, Ritchie can't come out uh, after the two minutes since the first two. So he served the other two minutes. Gotcha. I didn't look at the box score. I just remember seeing Terry in there and I was like, oh. That's odd. I don't remember him. Yeah, doing anything no, no. Richie, Richie got a few like after the the initial thing, and Allmark got pushed away. Makes you can sense. see Richie kind of get up and then just start throwing some uppercuts while the dude was on the ground. I should come so to the show more prepared to look at the box score. Um, yeah, kind of makes sense. Uh, <laughs> so the period was gonna. You kind of felt like it was gonna go away, and then uh, the Ducks get another goal, and it comes from yeah. Uncle Rico. Makes it four to two, a two on two, a beautiful rush by Comtois and Rico there. And Comtois with a nice little sauce pass to Rico, who got a little ahead of his defender. And probably one that was tough to say, but also I think with as large as Olmark is, probably one he wants to have back, because it went off of him and into the net. Kinda. Um, this one, if you look at it really closely, when uh, Uncle Rico takes the shot, actually hits the defenseman's stick mm. just slightly. Because the way he kind of ramps it in, it looked like you know, uh, Henrique was going to have all of it. Like it was going to be a hard, quick shot. And then it ends up hitting it and kind of does that thing where it just kind of wobbles. And when it does that, it goes slower. It has like a dip in it and it just kind of found the hole. Sure. He probably should have had everything a little bit tighter in there, but he probably didn't read it as well or was expecting to come a little bit quicker and maybe just a little bit different spot and didn't pick up the change on it. So there was, it's a very slight thing. Still, he's got to have that or hopefully you, you hope you have it. And that's kind of a killer now the Ducks have come all the way back from 2-0 and looking down and out in the first, and now they're up 3-2. And then uh, we wouldn't get out of the period without someone being Nick Ritchie when Nick Ritchie wasn't available to do <laughs> Nick Ritchie yeah. things, and that would be Krabidian Holzer. Goes after Gergensen, <laughs> like he knocked yeah. his glove off, so then he was like, oh, you want to fight type thing, and then try to take him out. And I was like, I don't, what, are we, what are we doing here? Why, are we, why do we want to put the league's best power play? Back on the ice this, with fresh ice yeah. to start the second yeah. period. Like I just, it's the the mental lapses from some of the guys on the team. I'm just like, you guys cannot keep doing this. Why? <laughs> well, the way the penalty kills going, why not? But I mean, <laughs> at, at the same time, this game had a lot of that that the hype like i mean everyone seemed amped up in that second period everyone was you know running there was a long time between whistles the the crowd was really into oh, yeah. it it just seemed like everyone was in it the chances were there ducks were buzzing so you kind of get that going 
everyone kind of got upset a little bit too much. The Richie incident, he got upset for no reason, or, you know, not a good enough reason to do the penalty. Um, Holzer gets hit, the stick kind of breaks, you know, and he, I don't know, he like takes it and like point, you know, the guy who hit him and Gergen's in, he's like, look what you did, and like <laughs> threw the stick down. I was like, what does he care? And then he doesn't have his stick, but he's got to play defense. I didn't really think it was much of a penalty. Like, Gergensen tries to go around him, and Holzer just does what he's got to do. He doesn't have a stick to poke check. Makes a hit. The guy kind of ducks yeah, low. Yeah, he and totally so it ducks worse than it, it looked worse than what I thought it was, but everyone was obviously upset. But if Holzer really wanted to get pissed, he could have got because there were a while He tried to tick him his, a little bit. Right, he was he, like – He had his right <laughs> hand free. Like, if you would see the replay, he had it behind him, and he was ready to go. But he, he didn't. He didn't throw bombs when he could have, when he could have got free shots, and he didn't. So, you know, he's probably ready to fight, looking for a fight. And every, you know, the animosity was up, but I think it was just everyone was just kind of amped and ready to go. So it was, it was kind of nice. It was kind of at the end of the period. So we can kind of just everyone calm it down, take a breath. Relax. I love when you hear the referees <laughs> we'll randomly go, knock it off, knock it off, like they're talking knock to a bunch off, of school kids. <laughs> yeah. um, Ducks take a 4-2 lead in the third period. Much, much better uh, hockey mm-hmm. was played in the second frame for sure. And it's kind of what we've been seeing by this team lately. They've just been able to get out of the gate in the second period and take over games. And it, it was important for them to do that. Um, and it also, you saw a lot more from the kids. Steele looked a, mm-hmm. looked really good. Terry looked really good. Jones has looked really that good. Line, we needed, that whole line looked good. They were one of the better now, lines that, tonight, if not the best line tonight. Now, were they that line at the beginning of the game? Because um, I didn't really notice them as that well, you know, that playing together until the third period. In the third period, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, all, oh, the kids are out there. It's the kid line. And they were they were running around. All of a sudden, they were hitting each other. They were making good plays, getting good chances. Um, they were far more noticeable for me in the third. I just don't know if they were there on the same line the entire time, if there was maybe a little bit of a change-up somewhere through there. But, so they played a total um, of almost seven minutes, two seconds shy of seven minutes, five on five together. There was a lot of penalties okay. in this game, too. So and just to give you kind of yeah. a sense, uh, five on five, the top the top trio together was Henrique, Raquel, and Silverberg, and they played eight minutes, so only a minute okay. and change over. Eight minutes and 16 seconds. Yeah. So they were together most of the game five on five when they were available, but with the amount of power plays, yeah. the amount of penalty kill, um, who yeah. knows what the five on five numbers out. truly are. I'm on natural stat trick for those of you wondering where I was getting that. But um, yeah, that was now, uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was saying that I mean that that whole period kind of looked good. You know, they, they combined for over fifty shots in the first two periods. And then I think about halfway through the third, uh, everything kind of shut down. But it didn't feel like it was a shutdown period. I, I think they had only combined for five shots in the first ten minutes or so of that third period. Uh, but it just seemed like there were chances, and it seemed like the Ducks were far more tenacious on the offense. And what they're doing this year compared to last year was like I saw sometimes bo- uh, Buffalo defensemen would kind of come out with the puck could probably like the Ducks would normally have backed off to the neutral mm-hmm. zone. But then I see a Comtois or I see, you know, uh, a Grant or Rowney, someone just, you know, no, they hound them, force them back behind their own net. Then they hound them there, make them hold it, wait for them to try and set up, hound the puck. And it was just like, it kind of kept in there and defensemen were still jumping in and holding, you know, the line or holding, um, you know, uh, center. And so it's, it's a nice change that the, the pressure and the tempo stayed that way, even though they were scoring goals and, you know, could have gone into shell. They did. Lots, like lots of forecheck, and better. the kids have been a big part of that for sure. I mean, that, that line mm-hmm. is, is really tenacious after the puck when they don't have the puck. And not enough yes. can be said about that. You saw 
there was a shift in the third period by the kid line, and they were together. I just scrolled back up and saw they were together from the beginning of the game. They were in the, that was a starting lineup okay. line lines that uh, Eakins and uh, the team had put out. But um, yeah, there was a, there was a, uh, a shift in that third period where I think Troy Terry controlled the entire shift. It felt like behind the net, dishing mm-hmm. the puck, getting it back, taking the puck away, retrieving the puck. I mean, those guys are bound to break through. They've got to break through, especially Terry. I, I felt he had his strongest game of the season tonight, for sure. Yeah, he he was he was looking pretty good. I, I didn't particularly. I think it was a little passive on the power play. Oh, Steele was too. Steele passed that puck in the middle of the slot. Like, yeah, well, he got a, he got an assist. <laughs> well, on that one, he did. Yes. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm always a fan of Max Jones's game. Um, I think it suits well. You know, eventually those pucks just got to go in a little bit more. But I, I also enjoy Max Jones because yeah, he would go to the front of the net and people would give him shots. He'd shove them back and he just laugh. At oh, he laughed you know, at Colin like, Miller tonight. He's like, "Are you kidding me, dude? Like, yeah, you're not you know, fight. kidding me." Like someone else came in and gave him a bump. He's laughing at him, and it's just that's the the kind of. Corey Perry-esque guy that we kind of missed, just, you know, a little bit annoying. I like him a lot to um, Matthew Kachuk, uh, I think. You know, I think eventually that goal scoring will kind of follow, but uh, he can be a little bit of a pest, but uh, he's a strong enough guy who can stick up for himself. So, so uh, yeah, that, w- that was fun. Yeah, the, the kind of the final two plays, uh, there was a big penalty kill there where Raquel and Silverberg had, like, back-to-back two-on-ones, and they were gassed <laughs> for so in the second tired. one, and they weren't able to convert <laughs> on. But uh, Middlestat... Kind of walked around Fowler there. One of the few mistakes we've seen happen to Fowler uh, earlier this season, and he ripped it off the outside of the post. But then the Ducks get an empty netter and wrap it up. Silverberg gets rewarded, wraps it off the glass. I think it hit Ristolainen a bit, caught him a, a little touch, angled far enough down, and that's all she wrote. Yeah. 5-2 Ducks win. Yeah. Um, this game was, was fun as hell to watch after the first period. Yeah, for sure. Did we talk about the fourth goal? That was we, the fifth Rico's goal. Yeah, goal? we talked about Uncle Rico's second goal. The second goal, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we did totally. And that yeah, pretty little so, pass yeah. by Maxine Comtois. Yeah, and I was, uh, I was, I was really impressed with Fowler's game, his skating, and he's been kind of that that bright spot for the Ducks, where you know we've had a little bit of a Manson and Lindholm maybe struggling a little bit yep. more. Fowler seems more more comfortable than I've ever seen him play. I mean, he's just he'll hold, hold, hold make a spin back and it's like whenever he makes that little pivot back all of a sudden he just gains like four feet of space i mean like he he just his skating ability to get away from what looks like something where he's going to have to get rid of it and just keep control he did that a lot he jumps into play a lot makes the right decision i mean this is the camp fowler i think everyone's been kind of waiting for for a really long time rings one off the post almost gets a chance or you know in the third i believe it was so i thought he had a really strong game uh it was kind of surprising that buffalo uh, pulled their goalie with like three minutes. Oh, they were, they were taking a the, uh, the page of the Patrick Waugh's book from when he was a uh, head coach. <sighs> well, close. Yeah, I think Patrick Waugh would like pull with like eight minutes left or something. Or 18. He's uh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, he comes back. It was, you know, fortunate bounce. And one of those things where it's like, that never goes in for us normally. And it was just one of those games where Uncle Rico's first goal and then this one just, they happen to go in and, Usually we don't get those bounces. They go against us usually. So, All right, so it was good. Uh, bef- before we get to our post-game notes and questions from listeners and in chat, i uh, got to give a shout-out to CoolHockey.com. They're our show sponsor. want to talk about them early rather than at the very, very end of the show. That way people who <laughs> can't stick around because it gets late um, maybe don't catch it. But go to CoolHockey.com. They sponsor our Forever Mighty three-star leaderboard, which I'll have Jay explain in just a second. But uh, use our promo code. They do legit jerseys. They're, they're great. You can get one just like this. 
if you would like. Um, there are no knockoffs, nothing from China. It's 100% great to uh, go to coolhockey.com and get one there. Use our promo code FM20. But more importantly, you can win one. Jay, how do they win yeah. a free jersey from uh, from coolhockey.com? So, so this is the uh, the second or third year. I think we did it at the end of the very first year that we did this where they they are basically donating a customized jersey. Now, even if you don't necessarily like the Ducks, or if you want to get it as a gift to somebody who's maybe not a Ducks fan, you can do that too. They don't care. You can get any jersey you want customized with name, number on the back. All you have to do is about 45 minutes before every Ducks game, we send out three questions. And all you got to do is just try and guess right. For everyone you guess right, you get a point. At the end of the month, whoever has the most points wins. And like Pat said, these are legit jerseys. We've met a few of our uh, listeners at some of our watch parties, and they bring the jerseys that they're, uh, they won. So Derek Lockwood, I believe, won one from us. And so we got to see it firsthand. They are authentic. They are the best, the greatest quality. So even if you don't win one, you can still obviously go on there, use our promo code, get 20% off. And that's uh, you know a fun way if you can win it. So that's essentially nine free jerseys. They're just giving our listeners. So you can't say enough good things about a company that does that and does such quality work. No, absolutely. So yeah, we tweet out the questions 45 minutes before the start of the game. Um, and you just compete with all the rest of the listeners who put in all of their answers and like jay said you can win a legit jersey at the end of every month so make sure you tune into our twitter account to follow that there all right man let's get into post game notes i know i've been asking you every time we've been on the show your favorite player from the game and your least favorite player from the game who impressed you who did not impress you and that's a tough one to grab tonight considering the type of fun game we had and you better not say nick Ritchie is your uh, least favorite player <laughs> can we just like default to him um, yeah, I would, I was very, I mean, how are you not going to say Enrico for getting two goals, but just in how he was playing and how he has played, I touched on a little bit. I loved Cam Fowler's game. I thought he, there was a lot of plays where it could have been a turnover. He had to give it away and he held on to it. He jumped in at the right times, very rarely got caught out of position. Um, so I'm very big when defensemen can do an offensive good side and a defensive good side. So I felt that my opinion, just his game was the best. Um, if I can't pick Nick Ritchie, uh, I would say that I hate to really, uh, yeah, I, I would kind of say Holzer. Holzer was, you know, you know, missing a lot of plays. He had, uh, you know, the the one power play goal kind of lost it in his feet. Just a little slow, um, and that's that's a little tough for everybody to do. At least Manson's game got a little bit better as the game wore on. It seemed like Holzer had. A low level and kind of just maintain that low level throughout the game. You picked my worst player. I was going to say Corbinian uh -huh. Holzer as well. I yeah. really was. I yeah. actually was very impressed though with Troy Terry tonight. I know I kind of you gave it away a little bit earlier when I talked about him or Sam Steele. Is fighting between the two. I know. I know Steele got the sweet apple on uh, the beautiful pass to Getzloff <laughs> for the goal and the power play to get our first freaking power play goal of the season. Um, only took seven games, but. Uh, yeah, I really like Troy Terry's game tonight. Um, all the haters on these kids, I just don't get it. It's so early, and as excited as you know, we've even we've even talked about it, as excited as we were after the Sharks game last weekend, we're kind of like we uh, we get it. We know we know it's it's super early. We know it's not going to last forever. Um, but yeah, I was very happy with Troy Terry's game, and uh, Holzer uh, just a, just a tough one, man. Just had a tough one tonight. What are you going to do? He's supposed to be, you know, a, a sixth or seven defenseman. So, you know, you just hope he doesn't make enough mistakes that uh, it ends up costing you too much. 
But uh, he, he had quite a few mistakes on a game where, outside of the first period, most Ducks looked a lot better moving forward. He just kind of kept what he did in the first period and just kind of kept moving along with it. It's kind of amazing, though, if you think about it, that we haven't really had to say John Gibson's been the best player. John Gibson, John Gibson. Although he's been a great player in every game, he hasn't necessarily been the best player, the most standoutish player. And I don't know if that's just us being used to him being awesome. I think part of it is maybe because, dude, he's had to make some decent saves tonight for sure. Yeah. And he had a ton in Boston. And the Ducks yeah. didn't come over the win there. Yeah, I mean, so what is this? So he's played. Let's see, so he's played six games, and uh, five of them have been two or less goals. I mean, dude's a stud. I mean, one one game against basically one player and bad defense in front of him. So other than that, the dude's been lights out. But it's nice to you know, hey, we we got other people to actually look at that are impressive. We want to talk about them for a little bit. Yeah, we got we got to make a positive of all this. So I got a couple questions mm-hmm. for you before we get to the questions. Uh, a couple of my questions okay. before we get to the other uh, questions. What I mean by that. Um, so Getzloff playing lower in the zone of the power play, do you think that's going to stick? Because I think it should. Do you think that's the answer here? I want it to. Um, I don't really – he's kind of a floater. Uh, I mean, he can go up high, he can go down low, and I think there will be some rotation that happens in any given power play. I mean, the initial play in that zone was him on the right side trying to set up uh, Steele on the left side, and then eventually he swung back around. I like him on that half board. Uh, the Ducks really don't have a guy in that spot that's going to be an overpowering slap shot guy. So uh, to have him there and be able to give a lot of misdirection and also be able to, to have the vision of setting people up, even for deflections or other passes, he can kind of look a lot of people off. So I like him there, but he is on the second line. It's not even the top line. But I, I would think that's a more natural place for him, given his talents. I mean, why not put another center on the half wall, too? Maybe you slide Henrique there, and you slot Getzloff yeah. there, right? You keep them. It doesn't matter which side. I feel like just having a guy down low, being able to feed one-timers like that, is more useful than the Randy Carlisle system where you have – I mean, back in that in those days, it always felt like it was the point shot the Ducks tried to get through and get a rebound and then try to toss the rebound left or right to get the goalie to move or stuff at home. It was always the point. The point was the main focal – of the power play and looking at the way they're trying to set this up, at least tonight, having a guy down low, trying to get it to open passing options, I feel like is the newer way of the NHL with so much, so much shot blocking from the point. Anyway, I feel like this is probably going to be, if they stick with it more successful than what they've attempted. Look at the Buffalo power. play. I mean, they feed it off the half wall. It's kind of how it goes. Yeah, I mean, for Buffalo, they were saying it, you know, they're, they're, it goes through their front three forwards. Those are the guys getting the most power play points in the entire NHL. I think they're saying three out of the top five are right there on the, the Buffalo power play. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's more of the, the Ducks, you know, way they should operate because they don't have an overpowering shot on the back end. They can't really set up a power play that's really effective like Washington where you have that one, one-timer threat. The Ducks just don't really have that. But you can set up a guy who can set up a lot of passes. And if you start rotating your defense and kind of moving them in, trying to find lanes, gets lost the guy who can really kind of find those openings uh, and hit people who are moving. Well, yeah, and you just mentioned Washington. I mean, the Ovi, Oshi, and Kuzi. I mean, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> if you pick your, pick wise, your poison. Yeah. The one-timer, the guy in the slot who can roof it and dangle you, and then Kuzi you can pick corners. I mean, yeah, and then don't and then don't forget Carlson back at the point. John, so yeah, like John you Carlson's could you could beast. yeah yeah you could decoy Oshi in the middle and then 
everyone starts focusing on him. Oh yeah, put it right behind him, and there's Carlson who can blast it home. So yeah, it takes talent for yeah, sure. But I feel like this is a step in the right direction uh, for the Ducks power play, and this is early in the system, guys. We're talking seven yeah. games in. We're going to see probably a little bit of, of different things happen every night for the next couple of weeks. But this worked tonight, and it finally got him over yeah. the hill. So hopefully that's something we seek to continue. Um, and then I was going to ask you, how do you feel about uh, – or what do you, what do you think is going to happen here? And this is kind of a tough one because they're so early. But how do you feel like the load's going to be split between John Gibson and Ryan Miller this season? Because uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious with this whole this whole new health and wellness that's been brought into the Ducks organization, if they're really going to be paying close attention to Gibby down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, last season, it's kind of tough. I mean, Gibby's not – like I still hear this stupid ass narrative that oh he just he's very injury prone or he gets injured. I would say he's injury prone if he is making routine saves and pulls something. If that's happening and it's happening consistently, which did happen in his early career, then I would say he's injury prone. Now, if he's kind of injured, almost every goalie gets injured at some point in the season, has to take time off. Last year, Gibby was just exhausted. He's facing relentless shots and where goalies get tired and worn out and then start getting more injuries is when it's sequences that never seem to stop goalies down up left right down up so stretch extreme stretch it was get the back constant zone cover. pressure ducks never able to exit the zone he's just a drop and get that's, up drop and get up that's where goalies get absolutely worn down and exhausted and do that over the course of 82 games and he plays a significant amount of games then, yeah, you're going to start getting injuries. So if they reduce that workload, I think Gibby can play the same amount of games he was going to play last year and still be good. He's still young. It's not like his body's wearing down or anything. So as long as the games are manageable, he can still play a significant amount of games. And if he starts getting fatigued or the Ducks start being a little bit more porous on defense, Ryan Miller can step into a whole bunch more games. Uh, he doesn't seem any more out of shape or out of focus than he was last year. So it's a great tandem. Rely on it because you don't have it for all that long. And might as well try and rest Gibby. But going into every game, you want the best opportunity to win. And Gibson does give you that. Even though Ryan Miller's great, Gibby gives you that best chance to win. 100%. So now is the time that we're going to ask for questions in chat. If you have any questions you want to uh, talk about on the show, let us know. Uh, we have some on Twitter, which we can get to. Um I'll chop 40 in chat says, who do we lose in the expansion draft? The oh Seattle expansion draft. Who did the Ducks lose? That really kind of Ricky says, uh, Nick Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> He'll definitely be exposed, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's signed through that or if he's a free agent after that. I can't remember exactly what his, his length is. Signed a two- or three-year deal. I can't remember. Um you know, it's that that'll be interesting to to see. Uh, it, it might be a goalie. Um, it just depends what Ryan Miller is going to continue to do if he's going to continue to play. But I doubt he uh, he's still around once that kind of happens. So I, I don't know. It kind of just depends how the next few seasons go and and who's you know. It's going to probably be a younger player. We're going to probably lock up the ones that we want to keep. Um, we're not going to want to expose too many centers, but we might have to it depends what we do with Getzloff as well so that, that's a real tough one um, I think it's going to be Adam Henrique to be honest with you he's got a lot of he's got I a lot of money too. on the cap uh he's a little bit he's signed for long term ish I think he's five years so was if Sam Steele can can come through here and become a solidified center 
and the Ducks are able to pick up maybe somebody else and figure that out, then we he be, and then uh, Henrik becomes expendable. Yeah, Henrik would be one. I'd also think maybe somewhere on defense because you know it, we have you know Gooley in there, Larson's in there. You got Fowler, you got Lindholm, you got Manson. So I think maybe one of those guys kind of gets exposed, and there's a chance that one of them gets kind of picked off somewhere in there. Kind of depends how Larson, uh, you know, moves forward. Depends who else we get if we end up signing another defenseman, and then that leaves us with four. We're definitely going to leave one of those guys open. So it's a little tough. Yeah, that is that's a tough question to ask this far out, but that's something yeah. I don't want to think about now because it's scary to me. <laughs> I don't want to lose any good players. Why ruin you a good time? We're having such a good time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good question though, because it's kind of like who would we expose? Yeah. Um, you got to. That's why everything moving forward, you got you know Bob Murray's got to really think about what he's doing and you know how he's signing players and things like that. And of course, Shane asks, uh, "Do you guys have you guys seen any Corey Perry media? He looks kind of lonely <laughs> yeah. in Dallas." <laughs> I saw him practicing today, and uh, I guess they were saying he's doing Corey Perry things. Like it was a quick clip. He was like he shoving in front of the net. Yeah, yeah shoving in front of the net. So yeah, I think uh, didn't he play tonight? I think tonight it was, was his, his first, first game, game. I believe. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think they lost in overtime to Colorado. So Dallas is struggling, man. They they need help. Um, they they've been losing to a lot of teams. I, I'm not even sure they might you know have won one help game. Is uh, my bet. Be with Eddie, New Jersey is drowning <laughs> right now. It's not looking pretty for me. Yeah, yeah, they're goaltending. Bye, bye, Corey Ooh, Schneider. That defense, too. Yeah, Corey Schneider. But even then, after that, they got two other backups, and neither one of them's been doing anything. Blackwood, I believe. Yeah, I picked him up in fantasy just because. Of, oh crap! I only have Lundqvist. <laughs> so I was like, crap! I'll get somebody, and like that was the one. I'm like, all right, well, Schneider might you know falter, so maybe Blackwood will help. And I think. For the season, he's minus point two fantasy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I just dropped him too. So, Jan Richter Anyways. on Twitter says, "What do you think about Sam Steele's game? Like the offense he provides, and uh, how about Steele and Getz on the same power play? Seems interesting." Man, it, it worked today. Um, so they'd obviously be the second line uh, as far as that power play goes. I like his game. I mean, we we lack center depth, but for the most part. All we need him to be right now is kind of that third. It's weird. You can't really call him third line because they all play about the same amount of minutes. Mm -hmm. So we just need a good third center, whether he plays, you know, technically first line or second or third. Um, I'd rather have Getzloff. Yeah, I like Getzloff, Henrique's, you know, doing Henrique things. And I think Sam Steele, you know, he'll get his chances. I think once everyone gets a little bit more confidence, then once the kids start getting some goals, I, I like that kid line. So I'd rather him stay with Terry and Jones and give them a feel for it. Cause even back when we won the cup, that was, um, you know, Penner gets and Perry, that kid line was, you know, the dynamic for us. So I think this line has a potential somewhat similar to that. Uh, not as high end talent like that, but they, if they start clicking, watch out so i like his game right now it's kind of where you'd expect him to be and technically is you know second year as the ducks yep uh or on the ducks so you know let him progress and see where it goes but so far so good he's not a detriment that's what i was gonna say so far so good end of the year pretty strong uh you know for a rookie so i think he's got a lot to add to his game for sure and tonight was a good game for him like you said we'll, we'll see if this if this yeah. continues Let's go to another question on Twitter. Um, it's Connor. He says, I have a burning question. How much money would we all have to pull together to shoot Nick Ritchie into the sun? <laughs> oh, boy. I don't uh, hate Nick uh, Ritchie. 
I don't. He makes some questionable okay. decisions on the ice. I feel like he's a kid that maybe belonged in the era prior to this one. Big, rough, in your face, punch you, soccer punch you, cross check you, that kind of stuff. And they've just kind of moved away from it. But he's not a total dinosaur. Like he has hands in front of the net. He can make plays. So he's like that in between guy. He's a bottom six guy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really upset about it. Yeah, like you said, he was yeah born in the wrong era. Uh, he was uh, yeah at the tail end of where that style was accepted, uh, valued, and had a place. Now it's a little tough. Um, he has a place on the team, but just like you said, in the bottom six role. Uh, I don't like the fact that uh, if we shoot him into the sun and we lose yeah. him for nothing, then um, we don't really have a nasty forward. I mean, Delarousse is there, but... I mean, Delorier? You're line. terrible with names. Delorier, Delarousse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, with, with him, with him gone, I mean, it's, it's just not a lot of other mean guys, so I'd, I'd hate to not have him. It's just everyone you know, whittle down your expectations. He was drafted in the first round. He's never going to be what you would expect the first round to be. And that's just kind of unfortunate in the wrong time because he does have some skill, but he's, he's at least getting more of a chance this year. And we're going to see him a little bit more, probably taking dumb penalties as he does because he's going to get more time. Just like everybody else is kind of getting an even amount of time. Uh, Jay Northcott 22 in our chat. He asked at what point, if the kids don't score, it has become a real concern. 15 games, 20 games, and it's already a quarter of the season at that point. When do you start getting concerned? I don't think we're going to have to be concerned about it. I think they're eventually going to break through here. Yeah, I'm hoping the same thing. You know, op- optimism is going to shine through Jones me right now. Jones broke through tonight, so. damn it. Okay? Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're going to count it, damn it. Um, I think it kind of comes down to how are the Ducks doing? If the Ducks are struggling to score goals overall as a team, um, and their their record starts to kind of falter because of it, but I mean these where we are, where we were five five and two, I mean that's that's a good start. Yeah, it's a really good for start. A team that that was was told, you know, you guys are going to be anything. You guys aren't going to be entertaining to watch. At least they're getting their chances. As long as they're getting goal scoring chances, then it's good. If they're not getting sniffs at anything and they're barely noticeable or they're they're a detriment, they're bad on defense. If that starts happening, I start getting concerned because if you're going to be bad on defense, you better be really good on offense. Right now, they're holding their own. They're getting chances, and eventually they'll probably start going in. I feel like it'll be kind of a thing where it goes in bunches. So it's tough. It's not easy to score in this league. Uh, the whole team has struggled for the most part um, for, to find goals, tonight being an exception. But, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get there. It's just uh, I'm not too worried unless the Ducks are – struggling to win they uh they all knew it was uh paul Curry's birthday they, they made sure they potted yeah. five goals on the night tonight for sure uh more of a uh, a comment here from tabernacle on twitter it says just a comment even says it love that all the Ooh. players seemed engaged on the play brownie grant looked great silverberg rico rack's line looks potent just lots of hustle and energy the kids and gibby of course i think he posted that in probably the second period, because I don't think anyone's going to yeah. say that in the first period. So the last 40 minutes, 100% agree with you, sir. 100% on board with that one, yes. for sure. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, just just erase that first period from memory, and we're good. All right, let's get over to Instagram. Let's see what we got here. Let's call the IG. Oh, there you go. Yourself. Yeah, I am no. dating myself. Uh, this comes from Yosep. He said, I love watching the boys get tough as much as the next guy, but do you think they should clean it up a little bit more? We can't possibly keep winning and giving up all these penalties. 
hundred percent true. You you can't be taking seven or eight penalties a night. It's, I, I cannot believe the Ducks got away with as much as they got away with on the penalty kills they did against the league's best power play. For real, that was uh, too much. You got to stop this. Yeah, the, the penalty kill's been really good for the Ducks, and I think you know towards the end they were really they were reading plays a lot better, picking it off a lot more. Um, but yeah, I mean at the same time it was a deflection that happened, just happened to hit Gibby. I mean that deflection goes in, it's a different game. Uh, and everything gets a you know a little bit more dicey. Uh, this game had a different feel than most games in the fact that there was a lot more energy. We talked about it a little bit. I think that they were just kind of amped up. They got to get that you know, that emotion in check a little bit more. And or quite honestly, that that emotion in check needed to be Holzer and it needed to be Richie. Um, you know, they can't go running around wild like that and, and giving up those chances. Other than that, I mean, one penalty was, you know, uh, Larson threw it over the net. Uh, you know, another one was just yeah. kind of, you know, kind of a, a hook. And, you know, I just don't like the stupid penalties. And, you know, and, and the Richie qualifies for, for that one. So, uh, yeah, you're going to play with fire for a little bit. Right now it's not hurting them. The penalty kill looks a lot better this year than it did last year. So, you know, right now it's all right, but... I, I don't think you'll see what we saw that one throughout the season. If you do, you're going to start seeing more of that line shuffling going around or guys out of the lineup into the lineup. So there's a little argument going on in, in chat. Denver Duck Ooh. posed the question, do you think we lost the sprong Pedersen trade or is it still too early to tell? We haven't done anything with Sprong. I'm not really worried about it, honestly. I don't think Pedersen's going to all of a sudden blow up Pedersen. and be a top four defenseman. He, he's a bottom pairing defender anyway. Um, yeah, he's playing NHL minutes in Pittsburgh, but that, I mean, that team's decimated. They're an AHL team without Sidney Crosby at this point. Um, and the Ducks, Daniel Sprong, I think we're going to see him this season still. I don't think he's going to be down in San Diego forever. I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. He's going to get a chance to show here, but he's just got to light up the AHL a bit first. Yeah. And Akins was saying that, um, I can't remember exactly when he said it, but he, he was saying that. We, we like his offensive game. There's nothing wrong with that. We've seen some of the videos that he's done. He's got the offensive talent. He goes, but there's plays that happen within a game where he needs to be aware of what his defensive responsibility is and put that same hustle on the offensive side, on the defensive side, and we just haven't seen it yet. Mm. And he goes, he's still young. He's still got to learn that. But it's just these like say it's little things that we we see that not everybody else will see. And you know, once once he gets that and understands it, and sometimes it just takes a little bit longer for players for that to happen. And you know, if he gets it, then we'll be seeing him. But uh, you know, he's he's been given the opportunity. He knows what he's got to do. It's just if he doesn't do it, then what, what are you going to do? He didn't do it. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, Pedersen, you know, might be our five six somewhere in there, but he's not cracking our top four. So it was kind of a gamble to see what, what Sprong could do. And, you know, I, I think it's somewhat of a wash. Um, but Pedersen's, you know, he's doing fine over in Pittsburgh, but he's not lighting it up. He wouldn't light it up here either. No. So the last question comes before we wrap the show. Daniel Lowry says, is elite first-line center Derek Grant the new Ryan Kessler in regards <laughs> to more shutdown defensive centers? I would say no. I think he's just yeah. a he's the, the fourth-line guy who's going to crash and bank great energy he gets some chances. He had some chances tonight. He had some chances last game, not able to bury him. So he's going to get his time. But he, he's definitely not the defensive stalwart that uh, Ryan Kessler was in his prime. Uh, you, you'd have to say no. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah, you can't compare the two. Kessler could score. That'd be amazing Kessler if could. Get on your skin. <laughs> Kessler could hit. Kessler could win face-offs. He, uh, uh, all that stuff. 
Grant's good. He he scores more with the Ducks than he has with any other team, uh, you know, combined anywhere else. Uh, he was outstanding in the faceoffs. They kept talking about how how well he was doing. And it seemed like every time he went and took a faceoff, he kept winning. Mm. So he was outstanding. That really helps when you need a faceoff win and you know gets lost tired. So you need that. But he's somewhat of an isolated specialist in that regard. He can bring some energy a little bit. It's on the fourth line, but they're not going to tax him with shutting down a top line. They they didn't put him out there for the top line guys. And uh, Kessler, you could do that. But even that style has kind of gone away. There is no more shutdown line on the Ducks. and Very few teams have guys that are just shutting down. Even Bergeron is playing on the top offensive line. So, and he, you know, he's considered, you know, a shutdown guy. But, you know, you just got to be smart defensively and um, try and produce offensively. All right, man. Let's wrap the show. That's all she wrote for the night. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. If you would like to follow us, go check us out on Twitter, ForeverMightyFM. Uh, you can catch most of our updates, if not all of them there. Also, our website, ForeverMighty.com. Uh, and stay tuned. We will be back. I think it's just me by myself, most likely on Friday. I think I'm yeah. going to be able to work out. If we have a show, it'll be me solo. So we'll definitely need the help of all of you in chat as you guys showed up in mass tonight. <laughs> Love seeing that. Thank you guys for the support. Eddie will be back on the pod more than uh, every once in a while. He's got a new job, so you'll see him more. Yeah, should be on Sunday. I, believe, I think he's, right? he's going to be doing the show on Sunday. Um, yeah. I think we're uh, yeah. Who do they play on Sunday? Do you remember? It's. Uh, let's see, Friday's Calgary, Carolina. Calgary Sunday. Calgary. Friday's Carolina. Yep. So yeah, that's, right. that's it for us, guys. Have a great night. Bye, guys.